everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up podcast. It is BFW show where we hit all of the latest and greatest news of the week. Kind of a recap for all of the major events and stories that broke. And as you can tell, I am still battling that sinus infection. I sound like crap. I look even worse. Uh, just be lucky you're not my wife and have to see this act every day. Uh, my kids are probably also scarred from my hideous nature, so uh, we're going to survive. That's the great thing about podcasting. You don't have to look at me as I say these things. So uh, this was a, a crazy week again. We're starting to see a lot of the squad planning stories break around Bayern Munich, and we're starting to see some of those longer range plans break out and leak to the media and it was quite a week for all of that. There were some pretty big stories that would affect some uh, positions that have been in question for a while at Bayern Munich. So let's get right into it. And we'll talk about those five things that we learned this week. And the first one is that Bayern Munich is seriously looking at its right back slash right wing back position for next year. And it looks like the Bavarians are going to splurge and spend a little bit of money but it remains to be seen exactly who they may target. So let's take a look at the names that we saw break over the course of this week. Of course, we saw the story about Bayer Leverkusen's Jeremy Frimpong. Frimpong has a contract through 2025, is expected to command at least uh, $30 million on a transfer fee, which seems ludicrous. I can't see Bayern Munich paying that, but he has been linked to the club regardless. Uh, another name that we saw recently pop up was Jed Spence from Middlesbrough. He has a contra- contract through 2024. Uh, this is a, a pretty good uh, idea for Bayern Munich to start to look for a developmental player. I'm not sure that Spence would be quite the uh, right back that would slide into the lineup. But this is something they're going to have to look at if they don't want to invest a lot of money. So we, what we know about Spence is that he is the fastest fullback in the championship. And he is uh, a player who is considered to have great potential. But again, can he slide right into the Bayern Munich lineup and be a starter? I'm not so sure. Uh, one of the other names that we saw, and I'm going to butcher this one, is uh, Nassar Mazraoui from Ajax. He is a pending free agent with his contract due to uh, expire in 2022. The only problem with uh, Mazraoui is that he he is a player who is drawing a lot of interest from other clubs, including Barcelona, who is considered the leader in the clubhouse to get him. I would almost anticipate that Barca is able to land him, especially because he is free. But if that happens, it could open up talks for Sergio Dest, another longtime Bayern Munich target who might be a little expensive as of now. But if Barca is able to secure a different right back for its future, Dest could become available. So as we can see, there are plenty of options right now. I don't know that I necessarily like all of them. Mesrali is probably the one who is most ready to come in and compete to be a first-team player at Bayern Munich. Uh, Frimpong, uh, Frimpong, I guess you could argue, could be the same way, but uh, remains to be seen if he is even a realistic possibility considering the fee that is associated with his name. So that right back position, which of course, if you've listened to me at all, you know that's, I firmly believe we're going to see a back three formally next year, and that will be a right wing back. 
Uh, it's going to have to be a player that's going to be a little more offensive-minded than, say, Benjamin Pavar or even Josip Stanisic. Going to have to have speed, and they're going to have to have the ability to defend as well. So that's going to be an important position, but I still don't think it's a position where Bayern Munich is going to go out and invest a lot of money. I think they're going to look first to try and find a cheap veteran option to come in, someone to stabilize the first-team unit and be a constant contributor, while also looking for a young player to come in and be that future. So ah, it's really tough to say which way Bayern's going to go at this point. I'm sure we'll see half a dozen more names prop up over the coming weeks, but it's definitely something to look out for. Of course, on the opposite side, when Alfonso Davies is healthy, uh, and and we're hoping he'll be healthy for next season uh, while he's dealing with this case of myocarditis, um, he's a natural fit to slide in at wing back on the left side, but the right side is an issue. And that'll lead us to the second thing that we learned this week. And that uh, it's very pertinent to that right back position, because what we learned was Benjamin Pavar is now being seriously considered as a potential uh, fix at the center back position for Bayern Munich. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Some of them involve his own performance and others involve what is going on in the transfer market. One of the things that we learned was that Andreas Christensen is zeroing in on FC Barcelona and that he may uh, yet be yet another free transfer that heads to Barca uh, as he is 99% sure going there, according to one report. Now, there have been other conflicting reports that state that Christensen is not quite 100% or even 99% set on going to Barca and that Bayern is still a player in the negotiations, but does not seem as if that looks good at this point. What we know about Christensen is he wants a five-year deal, wants at least 11 million euro per season. Both of those things seem to be well within the range of what Bayern Munich could offer him. But I think the allure of playing for FC Barcelona is kind of what's drawing him there and what might be winning him over. It's one of those things that, well, Bayern fans always consider the club as one of the premier and elite clubs. It just still shows that there is that perception with Barca and Real Madrid and probably even Manchester United to an extent, that when those clubs come calling, it's very hard for some players to turn that away. So I think that uh, Christensen's case is something that Bayern Munich will be watching. Of course, we also found out this week that Matthias Ginter and Nico Schlotterbeck are not exactly considered to be convincing to the Bayern board and the Bayern brass. So it's very questionable whether the Bavarians will look into Ginter or Schlotterbeck and be able to uh, really assess at this point if if those are the types of players that would be able to come in and fill starting roles or be part of a center-back rotation. Right now, it doesn't seem like that's the way Bayern is leaning, which brings us all the way back to Benjamin Pavar. Now, Pavar has been one of the players who has been, quite frankly, roasted by a lot of Bayern fans over the past two years. Uh, mostly for his play at right back. Uh, I think Pavar is is fine. I don't know if you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think he's been fine. I think he has some good games. I think he's had some bad games. I think a lot of what happens with Pavar is he just doesn't handle being injured well. I think he rushes back. Uh, I've said it many times. I think his most poor efforts and most poor outings are come at the expense of Uh, himself in the team because he rushes back from injury or he tries to play when he's not quite 100%. And when he's not 100%, uh, he's just not as good, quite frankly. So 
Uh, a move inside is something that Pavar wants. Uh, it's something that would probably be good for his career. That would leave a very interesting trio as of now as the starters for Bayern Munich on the back line. We would have Luca Hernandez, Dio Upamakano, and Benjamin Pavar. Now, Hernandez has had a, a good season. Um, there have been some down moments, but overall, he's probably been, along with Nicolas Sula, uh, the team's one of the team's most consistent defenders. Upamakano has been an absolute roller coaster. Sometimes he looks great, sometimes he looks awful. Uh, just not quite consistent enough. And if you go, if you rewind way back to last season when Byron made the signing, uh, one of the questions I had is whether he would be able to hold up at least initially under the bright lights in Bayern Munich. And it seems like he's struggling with that a bit. It's a big step, even coming from a club like Leipzig to go to Bayern Munich, where there's so much attention on you, so much media surrounding you. Um, the pressure does wear on you. And it, I'm sure that with so many other talented players on the roster, Upa Makano probably feels a little pressure to perform. And when you have that pressure and you don't handle it well, you get these types of uneven performances. So, um, Pavar right now, as it stands, if you look at the starting 11 for next year, is probably slotted to be a starter at center back. So Bayern Munich fans, if you are not a Pavar fan, you better get used to it because unless the club is able to dig in and sign someone, uh, it, it looks like that's the way things will go. And of course there are a million options at center back that the club could look at, but right now Bayern does not want to spend a lot of money. And that is one of the things that will affect its pursuit of a right wing back, its pursuit of a center back and its pursuit of a central midfielder. So as of right now, Bayern is going to have to make some tough decisions with its budget and determine where it wants to best set up. If you put a gun to my head right now and ask me, is that back three of Hernandez, Upamakano, and Pavar good enough to win a Champions League next season? I would say no. And it's kind of weird because I, I, I like aspects of the games of all three players. I think Hernandez is just very solid. He brings a lot to the table, but physically he can be overmatched at times. It's not because he's not strong or he's not quick. He just doesn't have a, a lot of size. So when you put him up against a big striker at times, it can be tough. Although he does handle that situation way better than Upamakano, who is both both probably taller and maybe even faster than Hernandez. Uh, Upamakano has been bullied a bit by those big strikers. Pavar remains to be seen. He has just kind of suffered from mental lapses more than anything um, while he has played center back this season. So that could be what we're looking at for next season, but we'll follow that one and stay on top of it. The third thing we learned this week is that Bayern Munich has a, uh, a discount rack being prepared for the summer because they're going to put players like Mark Roca, Bunasar, and maybe even Omar Richards on it looking to make a sale. Now, it, it kind of seems weird that Bayern Munich would be looking to sell Richards after only one year, but the latest reports, and I believe this one was from Sky's Florian Plettenberg, indicate that if Omar Richards does not see a future with the club. And, and I don't know how he would see a future at the club with Alfonso Davies ahead of him on, on the depth chart. And there is a willing buyer that the Bavarians would be willing to, to sell him off. And I think that's probably a likely scenario. Uh, Richards has been okay. Uh, he's had some decent moments and then not looked so great. He's barely played, which is kind of telling since Alfonso Davies has been out for so long doesn't appear like Julian Nog or Julian Nagelsmann really trusts him all that much as of yet. So I think we could see Richards be one of those one and done type players. If someone comes calling, he may have put enough good film out there to attract someone looking for a, a young, cheap left back to insert into their lineup, but we'll have to wait and see on that. 
I could absolutely see him go this summer. As for Roca and Saar, I think it's a no-brainer at this point. Saar is not part of anyone's plans. Uh, he never really fit in at Bayern Munich, has not played well when he's been given the opportunity. Mark Roca, just, I don't know what it is about him in training, but it seems to be that, that seems to be the thing holding him back. He's actually been okay in games. He's had some pretty good moments, but you can see that when he's in, he definitely sits a little bit deeper, doesn't take as many chances offensively, which is something it seems like Julian Nagelsmann really wants out of those uh, central midfield positions. He's just not as offensively minded as we think, or at least that I think Julian Nagelsmann wants out of his players in the central midfield. And I think that's partly why we're seeing Jamal Musiala being pushed into that role and why we see really offensive-minded players like Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka already occupying those spaces. So would not shock me to see Roka Saar and Richard Soldoff. Um, Josip Stanisic and Malik Tillman have also been kind of pinpointed for loans, which makes sense. Tillman is blocked every which way on the roster. I honestly can't see him breaking through uh, in the immediate future or even in the long-term future. There's just too much talent at those spots. Stanisic is an interesting case. He is a player who I really think uh, blew people away uh, in, in the summer because he just looked talented and ready. And when Byron was missing their regulars, he was one of the standout performers for Nagelsmann. He just looked calm, cool, collected, under control, and looked just good overall. Something has happened since then. He, of course, suffered through an injury, which hindered him. But it seems like something has went off. He appears to have fallen out of favor with Nagelsmann. And now it looks like he will be headed out on a loan. I could totally see that happening as well. Marcel Savitzer is another case where it seems like, you know, it just hasn't worked for him. But he was another player who was listed as, you know, could potentially uh, be sold off. But Byron is not ready to make that determination yet. The player allegedly is not ready to, to push for a move. Uh, it seems like both sides want to make this work. And, and it's completely possible that it that Sabitzer just needed a year to integrate and become used to everything and really get his feet underneath him, which is a shame because you don't have a year typically in a career to, to figure things out, especially at a club like Bayern Munich. You just kind of need to come in built in and ready when you're a veteran player. Uh, as, as far as Sabitzer goes, I, I almost would lean towards selling him because I think he, I, I'm just not sure it's going to work and I don't know how he's going to fit in. When you look at that central midfield, and, and, and I'll, let's just, for the for the sake of argument, let's just consider those two attacking midfield spots and the two, uh, I don't know if you want to call them a double pivot, but just let's just say there are four total midfield spots. When you look at that, you're, you're, you're also including players like Thomas Muller, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman. If Nagelsmann moves to that back three and we see the two attacking midfielders and the two defensive midfielders, there's just too much traffic for Sabitzer. Um, you know, we talked about those offensive-minded players. That doesn't even include Paul Vonner yet. You know, when you when you even look at the two double pivot type positions with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka and now Jamal Musiala, I'm finding it really hard to believe that that Byron is going to be able to make room for Sabitzer and that he's going to get enough playing time to keep him happy or that's going to keep him effective. I think he has not handled uh, being a bench player at all um, well, and I think that that has really affected his performance. So I think it's best for both parties if if each moves on. And this comes from someone who was a huge advocate of the move to get Sabitzer. I was a big Sabitzer fan before the move, 
But right now it's not working. And unless there is a good solution and a way to get him more integrated and involved and to actually play more, I think he's going to have to move on. And that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. The final name we saw included in this whole sale, loan, keep, go kind of mess was Tangai Nianzu, who really has done next to nothing this season. Now, Nianzu has absolutely uh, shown potential, but that's potential that's mostly been seen on the training ground. Uh, When he's gotten opportunities to be on the field with the first team this season during matches, he's looked sloppy. Uh, He's made some bad decisions. Positioning has not been great. Very questionable challenges that left his team in in prone positions. Uh, Just doesn't look quite mature enough as a player at this stage to be a regular for Bayern Munich. Um, Doesn't mean that he can't be in the future, but I think a loan would do him well. He needs to be on someone's first team, gathering those key first team minutes of experience. And then I think it would give Bayern Munich an opportunity to really assess if he's a player they can count on for the future or if he is another young asset, they can look to sell off, you know, because they are a selling club now. So that will be something that I think we follow closely. Nianzu is a player who a lot of people have high hopes for, but I just don't know how feasible it's going to be for him uh, to break through. He's going to have to really stick with it. He's going to have to commit to it. And it's, it's nothing about his talent. And, and he is certainly young enough to make things work at Bayern Munich, but does he have enough patience to do that? He's, you know, I I don't know the kid. I don't know much about him, but from what we've read, he seems like a player who more tends to think that he is ready for the primetime action rather than someone who should be on the sidelines waiting. So he's going to have to make that determination and, and alone would seemingly be the best way for both parties to move forward. The kid can get his experience and Bayern can really take a look and evaluate what kind of progress he's making against first team competition on a consistent basis. The fourth thing that we learned this week is that those Stefan Ortega rumors are back. Bayern Munich is allegedly in talks with Ortega, uh, or at least in talks with Armenia Bielefeld about obtaining Ortega. I don't know that I necessarily needed to see Ortega at Bayern Munich. I think there's no reason to pay for a backup goalkeeper. You can retain Sven Ulreich for, for really very little cost. Uh, you already have Alexander Nubel, who is out on loan and is expected to stay out on loan. You have a couple of good youth goalies that are on, or goalkeepers that are on campus already. You have Christian Fructel, who, while he's expected to leave, um, still holds some value. You have Ron Torben Hoffman out on loan. There are just a lot of there's a lot of congestion right now at the goalkeeper position, all for a spot where Manuel Neuer rarely comes off the pitch. And sure, he's getting older. Sure, he'll probably pick up a you know more knocks by the year, but I don't know that this is a position you need to spend money on. Quite frankly, I think Sven Ulrich's been fine. He's a backup goalkeeper. He handles the position well. He's got the right mentality for it. I would tend to stick with him. You can pay him a respectable salary that won't kill your budget. While Ortega, who is extremely talented and proven at the position, I don't know what he gets out of the move other than maybe winning a Bundesliga title. It just doesn't make much sense to me from his standpoint if he wants to play. And it doesn't make much sense to me from a club standpoint at Bayern Munich because I don't know what kind of role you would expect Ortega to have. I mean, he's clearly going to be the number two and he's clearly not going to play a lot. So why pay for it when you already have Sven Ulreich on campus? And Sven, for all his positives and negatives, he's a player that has proven he's perfectly content in this role. He's happy and he likes it. So 
to me, I'd rather keep him around and be a positive influence on the younger goalkeepers, someone that can also fill in for Manuel Neuer. I don't see the need to get Ortega, but it's not my money to spend. So who knows what Bayern Munich will do. Sorry for that pause. I had to take a break. This sinus infection is killing me. So needed to uh, hydrate a little bit there. And by hydrate, I meant water and coffee and not the normal hydration uh, tools that I use, whiskey and beer. So the last thing that we learned this week is that the Robert Lewandowski circus is back under the big top. And we are just seeing so many, so many clubs linked to Lewandowski these days. And it's crazy. And this is what we'll see. Pini Zahavi is absolutely 100% going to start this whole circus again. And he's going to link to just about everyone. And we're going to see stories every day. And until Brazo and Zahavi get in a room together and just talk initially, this is what the tactics are going to be from Zahavi's camp to ensure that Lewandowski is drumming up enough interest in the transfer market. Now, we did see Lothar Mathaus again come out and criticize Brazo for his communication skills. We, of course, saw the big eruption a week ago between the two parties over Nicholas Sula and how he was handled. But now, you know, one of the stories we, we broke this week was that there has not been any communication whatsoever between Lewandowski and the club. And Lewandowski's seemingly a little bit annoyed about it. So it makes no sense as to why there wouldn't at least be preliminary discussions, at least just a reach out, hey, come into my office, let's talk about things kind of conversation. It's ridiculous to me that that hasn't happened yet, if true. Uh, so what are we getting as the fallout from that? Well, we are getting all of the rumors, seeing Lewandowski linked to PSG, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. I mean, it's it's everyone. So this is going to be a steady flow. It's something we're going to see. And it's going to fuel more and more speculation about what might happen in the future with Lewandowski. All the while, in the background, we have the Erling Haaland saga, which, say what you want about Bayern Munich, they are still being linked to him on a consistent basis. Uh, I'm more in the camp and where there's smoke, there's fire with Haaland and Bayern. But I think a lot of it does depend on what happens with Lewandowski. And at this point, Bayern is holding those cards so close to its vest, it's impossible to know. Well, the only thing I think we can all ascertain from this is that Byron does want Lewandowski back, but is just doing a terrible job of communicating that and, and actually showing the player. To me, this, again, reeks of arrogance in how Byron sometimes interacts with its players, especially during contract negotiation periods. Um, we saw the stories earlier about Nicholas Sewell and how he didn't feel appreciated, didn't feel wanted. And part of that is because the club has this air about them at times where it's a privilege to play for them. And we've talked about that before on this show, but that to me is, is a problem. Players today are different than they were in the eighties or the seventies, or even the nineties players, are a little more sensitive. They need to be taken care of. They need to be coddled a little more. And part of that is the way the player development system works on the way up. Part of it is just being that big of a talent with that big of an ego these days comes with a lot of sensitivity. And while not all the time, not all of the time is it warranted that players should feel that way. There is a point where if you are Lewandowski and you are such a, a, a key and vital player to a team and you have done nothing but perform and, and do well that you would expect 
some early contact, at least kind of, like I said, just a, hey, stop in for coffee kind of conversation. If that's not happening to me, it is a failure on Bayern Munich's end. You cannot these days have the attitude that it is a privilege to play for you. Um, And while it's a well-earned thought process from Bayern Munich to have that, and while many fans would probably feel the same way, players are, are a fickle bunch. And Robert Lewandowski may may have a ton of loyalty toward Bayern Munich. He may really enjoy being in Munich. He may really enjoy his team and the coach and everything else. And it all might be great. But if he doesn't feel like he's going to be fully appreciated, it does give him that window to go out and explore other options. And do you really want to do that when you know that you cannot match the types of financial packages that say a club like PSG could put together. So to me, I think, you know, there has to be some kind of discussion soon. Robert Lewandowski needs to know that the club is interested in him. He needs to hear it from them and he needs to know that he is a priority. And while that may seem soft, that's the way it is these days. It's just like we saw with Nicholas Sula. I think if Bayern Munich would have initiated conversation i'm not even saying contract discussions but just conversation way earlier in the process i think all of those hard feelings go away and while brazo has done a a a good job at identifying talent and he's made some good signings he's also made some terrible signings but he has done a good job overall but one area where he's really lacking at least from what i can tell and what we see in reports and to where i will side with with lotar is that he is not a good communicator. And I think this is why we've seen blowups happen between, you know, him and Flick. I think that was a big thing. I think there's just not enough communication there that, that makes everybody feel secure and on the same page. And if it was really surprising to me when I, when I looked back at the Byron documentary, because Brazo seems like a genuinely nice guy. He seems like a guy who cares about the greater organization and, building relationships and communication, but it's just not there in his actions. And for as good as Oliver Kahn may be as a CEO and how he's rolling out all of these initiatives, um, to me, and this is kind of harsh, some of these initiatives just reek of the typical corporate stuff that if you work in corporate America, you have seen all of these like 30,000 foot view presentations about where the organization is going, what they're doing, what the plans are, but there's really zero substance behind them. When it comes down to it, organizations, whether it's a business or a soccer club, you need to build relationships through communication. Nothing is better than communicating with your employees directly. If you're an employee with a manager, there should be communication. If you were a manager, you need to talk to your VP or your regional manager, anything like that. Those are the situations where that require communication. And for a soccer club, when you have, or a footy club, wherever you are in the world, what you need is that communication with the players these days. It's not enough to wait for discussions with agents. You need to have these personal discussions. You need to have these check-ins. And if you're not doing it, you are failing. And that's something I'd be very interested to know behind the scenes if Bayern Munich is doing, because I do feel like when you have players like Nicholas Sula and you do have players like Robert Lewandowski and even Thomas Muller coming out and they all, they've all said there's been no discussion as of yet. That's a problem to me. There should be discussion. So, Hey, that is uh, that's what we've learned this week. Those are the five biggest things that we've learned. 
as far as entertainment goes, I can tell you this. Uh, I'm watching Walking Dead and I'm suffering through that every week. It is time to put that show out of its misery. I, I, don't, I don't know where they're going with this season. It has predictably been a bit of a mess so far, um, but I'm going to finish it out because that's what I do. <laughs> uh, but I am looking forward to uh, the upcoming season of Better Call Saul like I hit on last week. I keep seeing the the new promos for it, so I'm psyched for it. Uh, I do need to find something else to get into at this point. So I'll have to be on the lookout for some shows to watch. I've gotten some suggestions, but at this point, my schedule is so racked with things. I have not been able to uh, really dedicate much time to starting something new, but I will be looking into it shortly. So that'll wrap us up for this week. And I do appreciate you guys tuning in, staying with me, despite my awful voice right now. I cannot wait until this sinus infection is gone. Uh, it's really like way worse than I, I thought it would be when I could feel it first propping up. But uh, hey, uh, I'm sure there are many, many people dealing with way worse things than a sinus infection right now. So I'll stop bitching about it. Thanks again for listening. You can always get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom at Tommy Adam 71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. And you can get Samarin and Schnitzel. Uh, on our site. They don't do social media, at least Twitter. So you can always just see what they write and see when they check in on the podcast at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me because I won't be able to indulge until I get rid of this stupid cold or sinus infection, whatever it is. I did test negative for COVID. So there is that. Uh, But uh, I appreciate it again. And we will see you next time. Enjoy the game this weekend against Leverkusen.